Talkers. Welcome to Speak and Destroy, episode 104. Speak and Destroy is the first podcast to feature interviews about Metallica, and I am your host, Ryan J. Downey. My guest this episode is Leonard of Oathbreaker and post-doom collective Amon Ra. If this is your first time listening to Speak and Destroy, be sure to check out our episode archive, now more than 100 episodes strong. And if you support us on Patreon, you will get access to bonus episodes called for my interview archives over the years with Metallica-adjacent folks like Glenn Danzig, Randy Blythe of Lamb of God, JD from The Sword, and many more. You can follow Speaking Destroy on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Downey and on Instagram at SuperheroHQ. Speaking Destroy is part of the Pop Curse Podcast Network. Check out our sister shows, including Pop Curse, where musicians talk movies, and No Prize from God, which features conversations with creative people about belief, unbelief, and everything between. So here it is, my conversation with Leonard of Amon Ra and Oathbreaker. This is Speak and Destroy. As a child, um, there wasn't that much music. Like in, in, in my family, my parents used to listen to, to the music of their youth, things like, like the Beatles and, and uh, like some Flemish, um, more like folksy artists, some things like that. But it wasn't that like they were like not into discovering new stuff or anything like that. But I I, I enjoyed like for instance the Beatles when they were playing it in the car or or whatever. I I used to enjoy it. Um, I I do ha- also like have a have a memory of um, I, I guess I must have been like around nine years old or something. And there was this this Flemish pop band um, called Clouseau, mm-hmm. and they, they had like a, a handsome young singer. And my, my father took my, I, I had like a teenage sister, took my teenage sister there. And, and I was, um, I, 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 I tagged along um, because it was like, like uh, in, a, in a town near us. And my father knew the organizer and we got to like sit uh, in, in like a, a space, like front stage, I guess, where security would be normally. And I, I clearly like remember that like the energy of, of a band playing live uh, impacting me. Like, like I, I, I found that like a very, very cool thing to, to see uh, up yeah. close. And then like one, one of the, like the, the, I think the first band that I really liked was, was Queen. Like my parents mm. had um, their greatest hits album. And, and that was like the first time, I guess that like music, that I got like like a little bit obsessed with with a with a band or or yeah or or an album, and and 
like quickly i i i guess that was when i was like around 10 years old i i got like a no my own stereo stereo system in my room and and my my older siblings uh had like a, a, a box set of the cure with, with all mm. the the cure albums up up until that point and yeah that was like a, a very big thing for me uh to get in, into music uh the cure played like a huge huge role that was very present uh um and and yeah i guess like soon after like when i when i was 10 or 11 years old the the black album came out and and yeah i had like a, a brother who's three years older and a sister who's four years older so they were like the the exact like right age target age for like nirvana and and guns and roses metallica th that stuff so i like I, I guess i got to enjoy it like maybe a little bit sooner than a lot of the kids around me uh because of them and i yeah for like all those things i i yeah, I, I loved that. Uh, I I guess that, like that was all we saw on on MTV, for instance, and and yeah, and that, I, for me that was uh, that was the shit. <laughs> yes, and uh, like you, the Cure was a big thing for me. Uh, prior to getting into metal, the first music I, I discovered, I had an older brother also, so I I got into things quite early as well, and yeah. uh, it was for me it was. Uh, Billy Idol, Adam and the Ants, The Cure, The Smith, mm -hmm. Susie and the Banshees, a lot of like that sort of new wave, new romantic punk stuff uh, prior to metal. So I think uh, guys like you and I were probably more suited, you know, when stuff like the Deftones or whatever came along and they might cover yeah. Duran Duran or, <laughs> you know, like it made se makes sense to us. You yeah, know? definitely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I've always liked like, yeah, I, I felt like, I don't know how to say. It. I feel like sort of recognized or something when when Deftones, for instance, did did cover covers of the Smiths or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that felt like oh yeah, they they like that shit too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Whereas whereas a lot of people might have been like, this doesn't make any sense. We're like, uh -huh. no, no, this make this actually makes perfect sense. Yeah, <laughs> we know we rec we recognize yeah. the commonalities. Uh, obviously, the theme and, and primary topic of speaking to Stroy is Metallica. Before we step backwards into that. Uh, there are actually some other, you know, one of the reasons for our conversation is a piece uh, that ran uh, in Decibel recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. Five albums that shaped your life, one of them being Ride the Lightning, one of them being The Cure, Pornography. But there's a couple other records on here that are big ones for me, too, that I wanted to get into. Uh, first is Death Symbolic. I I'm a huge fan of Death, and it, it seems that they're one of those bands where like a lot of bands, like a Metallica, different fans come in at different points in their catalog. And for Death in particular, there's so many great lineups, so many great players that have been through. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to me that you chose Symbolic because for me, yeah, it's like that run of Symbolic, uh, you know, individual thought patterns, like right around in that timeline, That those are the Death records yeah, yeah, for yeah. me. Like th those are the ones I'm in love with too. Yeah, I think uh, for a big part of that, I, the reason why I chose Symbolic w will be because um, it was my first death album. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I, I, when I discovered it, I wasn't like particularly attracted to death metal. I guess I, it, it, 
like it it seemed like a bit i i think i thought it was all like satanic stuff and, and things like that and that seemed like a bit extreme to me but that like uh, um a guy in my very very first band gave me that album and it it was just so good that that yeah i i could like i couldn't ignore it or anything it was so good that it it really gripped me and and yeah i guess it like in a lot of ways seemed like the yeah like after hearing trash metal yeah the next uh, the next step like things like like death and yeah, yeah. It's funny you said that because it's very similar to me where I was, you know, really into thrash. I was into hardcore and punk. And when death metal came along, I had friends where it was sort of the next natural step that they were getting into. And I'm hearing about, you know, Morbid Angel and Deicide and death. And I remember the first death song I ever heard was Pull the Plug from Spiritual Healing. And I just thought, this is not for me at all. Like these vocals and this, like, this just sounds like lo-fi thrash metal. And it wasn't until later going back and revisiting that individual thought patterns and symbolic, whatever it is about those records, like you said, it's like, it's undeniable. And I found that those records then brought me back into, okay, I need to give death metal another look. I need yeah, to go yeah, back. Yeah, and- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah from, from like the production is so like crisp on, on, mm. on those albums that, yeah. Like a lot of other, like morbid angel is, is like, is, is a lot more extreme. I think to, to get into that metal that's like a, a hammer to your to your face or something like a, <laughs> yeah as, as like a, a 14 year old kid but yeah 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 that, that is like the perfect uh entry way yeah and, and just so musical and so so crisp um and that mm-hmm. lineup particularly individual thought patterns for me with uh, andy laroque and steve DiGiorgio and, and yeah. gene hoagland it's just like a that was like the perfect band behind him i think mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so you also talked about, and this doesn't come up that often, uh, the first self-titled record from Into Another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not only fascinated by that, but uh, Ignorus, the uh, second Into Another record, that's in my top five albums of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Metallica, Depeche Mode, you know, like the real Holy Grail albums to me. So I'm curious, you mentioned in the Decibel thing, it must have been a period where you were really into the revelation record stuff and that's how you kind of if you could explain yeah, that to yeah, me yeah. i i was like I, I i when i got into hardcore yeah i was like kind of curious to 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 like get my hands on like whatever i i could find that was uh like i i have to admit like i had like this i don't know if it's a common thing but when i when i got into hardcore i was for, for a, like a, a brief moment like that was all that mattered to me. I was like, everything, I, music-wise, everything else is is uh, is lame, and uh, so I was like very focused uh, on 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 yeah, discovering stuff that I didn't know yet, and yeah, that that uh, into another album, yeah, surprised me because it's not what you expect when you listen to other Revelation stuff, and and again, the fact that I I chose that one. Will is 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 because it's the first one that uh, I I heard the uh, first into another album that I heard and and that I guess like as if you're young it's it's often yeah those things that impact you the most uh, it, there's also like a, a, another val- like at that age an, an album is like a lot more valuable and even if you buy an album that's not as good you're gonna like 
listen to it a lot and, and even try to like it because uh, that's the album you've, you've spent your money on and you can yeah. immediately go out and buy another one. Uh, so, so yeah, um, I, I yeah, found that like kind of heavy metal sides of, of, of Into Another, yeah, very uh, appealing, like the gu- guitar work, so, so like fluent and, and yeah. Peter Moses, that guitar player, just is from like another planet. And yeah, similar to you, you know, not only was that record on Revelation, but it featured like ex hardcore guys, you know, it was like the drummer yeah, from yeah, Bold yeah. and the singer from Underdog, and which was all mm-hmm. the more reason to think that it was going to sound a lot different than it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've also like, I've always found it intriguing how like Peter Moses never, to my knowledge, did anything noteworthy anything else like because you like you clearly hear that that that's like a, a musical genius i if i might say yes uh, absolutely. And, and and yeah like yeah what what has he done <laughs> like i i yeah. wonder uh, did you ever hear uh their unreleased final album uh you know because they were seamless on the major label mm-hmm. and then there was another album uh, I didn't. Yeah, and it's all electronic. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's yeah. an electronic record with Richie singing, of course. But um, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, well, then you'll you might be fascinated by this, and I'll apologize to listeners if this is too much of a detour. But I'll try to I'll try to keep it succinct. But basically, when uh, Revelation did their 25th, I think it was anniversary concerts a few years ago, or I guess maybe mm-hmm. 10 years ago at this point. The promoter, you know, there was a lot of reunions and it was like Gorilla Biscuits and Youth of Today and really any any band they could get. Um, the promoter reached out to Richie from Into Another and said, you know, I'd love to have Into Another play the Revelation shows. And he said, well, the problem is, you know, their bass player had passed away. And uh, he said, you know, Drew, the drummer and I are, are still very much in contact, but we haven't talked to Peter Moses in years. We don't even know okay, yeah. where he is or how to find him. A very good one of my close friends, actually, uh, Brian Balchak, who played in the band Ignite, huge into another fan, yeah. huge Peter Moses fan. He knew that these conversations were going on and he said, well, what if what if my friend and I, what if I play guitar and my friend plays bass? Would Richie yeah. and, and Drew be willing to do this like into another, just like a, a, a show, just a set or whatever? And so they recorded themselves playing the songs, sent it to Richie and Drew. Richie and Drew were like, these guys are great. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. So uh, they started like rehearsing and pulling it together. And then they booked, I think there were revelation shows on the East Coast and the West Coast in the States. And so they booked these shows and their shows are coming up. And just as the shows are about to happen, Peter Moses pops up out of okay. the ether and, <laughs> yeah. and contacts Richie and Drew and says, hey, what's this I hear about we're playing shows? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool because I, I knew that Brian Volchek like, like played guitar with them, but I didn't know that aspect yeah. of the... You know, thankfully they were, I, I look at it kind of similar to Iron Maiden with Adrian Smith and Yannick yeah, Garris. Yeah, like, yeah. They just said, let's just be a two guitar band. And I guess- Yeah, yeah was... that's cool. That's like shows that he's like, yeah, so, like, like a good guy in my Yeah, opinion. exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. The Black Album was your entry point. Do you remember what it was about it that really grabs you? I don't really, like, I, I couldn't really, I guess, put into words. I Maybe just, like, 
seeing, for instance, the Inter Sandman video like a bunch of times, like, and and just yeah, they, they Metallica had like a pretty stripped down aesthetic at, at at that point, I guess, like compared to yeah some some other metal bands, and yeah, just looking looking at that, finding it really cool, like. I, I guess also like a, a big factor was that I like it, it that that is also around the time that I started playing guitar mm. and and like got like some tab books exchanged some tab books with friends and and the fact that like Metallica riffs are not overly difficult so you like it's it's you you can like quickly play along to some parts of Metallica albums at least and like that that yeah makes me like the, the fact that it's so fun to, to to play along yeah made me like the, the band even more i guess uh yeah i love what you said a few minutes ago by the way because this is something that's happened to in my subconscious it hasn't i'm surprised it doesn't come up on the podcast more there is that point in your life where all this stuff is so important to you and so new and so special that you will convince yourself to like something that you you might not otherwise have yeah. just because it's new or it's the latest record from the band or whatever. And that's just such an amazing period. And there's a lot of records that I have a fondness for now yeah, yeah, that yeah. entered that way, you know, uh-huh. but can you think of a, uh, some records like that, that still were, you know, friends and peers are surprised that you love that record so much. Oh, let me, let me see. Let me think like, like, um, around that time yeah i got like for instance i got left hand pat uh from from a friend in school as well that was like like also really yeah like bigger than it probably should have been just because i had that specific album for instance uh yeah i'm, I'm like I, I I think I got like I went through like the typical phases like getting into Sex Pistols or Moons stuff mm-hmm. like that, uh, um, but I can't like really think of anything super surprising or or out of the like out of the ordinary. Uh, yeah, out of the orthodox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But do you remember as you were figuring out some of those Metallica riffs? Do you remember what some of the first ones were that you were playing along to and or playing along to the most often? Like definitely uh, black album stuff as well, like and Enter Sandman, of course. Uh, yeah, nothing else matters is like like the typical, uh, yeah, typical thing that everyone who picks up a guitar for the yeah. first time is like the easiest thing to do. Um, sad but true. Also, like felt so like heavy. Like playing that main riff feels like oh yeah, like uh, yeah, yeah. And 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 like when I think of it one of my my first guitars was um was a white flying v like like mm. and i i like when i think of that now i i cannot really i can't really think that i i did that especially because james hatfield had one but that must have been the reason like there is no no way that i by coincidence had a, a white flying v uh because it was like I'm also like a pretty tiny guy and 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 more I more so when I was 14 years old so that was like a even like a bit of a ridiculous sight like uh, that, <laughs> yeah. that huge white guitar with like a little kid playing it uh yeah it's like when you, you see pictures of like Dan Spitz playing a flying v <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> you've talked about ride the lightning uh, as a 
particular touchstone. So what was the rest of your, you know, going from the Black album, do you remember what the progression was of discovering I the older records? That, yeah, and- yeah. The, the first thing I heard after after Black album was was someone from school as well who, who lent me Injustice for All, mm. um, which was also like, it's so difficult. Like I, I, I said, um, Ride the Lightning, but it, at another, if I had written like the, the the list of albums at another time, I guess it could have been Master of Puppets or it could have been and and an Justice for All as well because they, yeah, they are all like, to me that those like, I, from Killer Mall to to the Black Album is like one one big thing that has really really impacted me a lot, like when I. It's it's more like going when I was thinking about about the list of of five albums that that had um, in, inspired me. Or I, um, yeah, I, it's like through the years that that I when I look back on those albums, I, I for, yeah for some reason, ride the lightning. Yeah, I, I it's like a, a good mix of still like the the rawness and and the freshness of everything, but just like yeah a bit more it's like a bit more advanced than kill em all already and but still very like raw and real which is also something that i yeah i i've come to i I guess like if you're not as uh, if you're like like just listening to to music not as a musician i guess like something that has the production of the black album is is easiest and and you would like mm. like that most or something but yeah through the years i've i you kind of appreciate the little imperfections not not that i'm saying that something is Im- imperfect no i know what you mean album, but yeah yeah it's like the, the rawness of it still that 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 attracts me i guess uh yeah yeah they, yeah well, with ride the lightning uh, as opposed to the black album they didn't spend like months getting a drum tone <laughs> You know? well, exactly yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, which has its pluses and minuses because yeah the black album is probably the gold standard for a perfect sounding hard absolutely. rock album yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah and yet yeah there is a different kind of magic and it's also interesting to me that ride the lightning has material that predates kill them all you know there's some dave mustaine riffs yeah 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 that. yeah that that yeah that's kind of surprising yeah yeah, yeah i would personally i would at least feel kind of weird using some <laughs> of the riffs <laughs> of the yeah. guy that I um, <laughs> fired, but okay. <laughs> especially, especially when he's already mad that you used him on the last one. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it also speaks to how, especially in that youthful exuberance and the, the, the urgent need to move forward and the hunger Absolutely. that you just sort I of, can, yeah. it's like you absorb whatever and it all kind of yeah, builds into the big monster mm-hmm. actually so. to to prepare for this i i've watched a few interviews um with with members of metallica and and what i what i didn't like i just found out like two hours ago that um they sp- kind of spent like six months in in uh denmark mm-hmm. to record uh ride the lightning like i never realized that 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 yeah kind of like crazy to think that that early 80s no internet and everything that you take these like what 20 year old guys and like drop them on the other side of the world for like half a year uh, it's, yeah. it's like it's weird to yeah to imagine that now uh, hanging out with merciful fate I yeah. Believe, uh, yeah at that time <laughs> and i you know i had gary holt on the podcast a while back and we talked about this but that whole last section 
of Creeping Death is an Exodus song. It was called oh, wow. Die, Die By My Hand. And then, you know, and the die, die. That was, uh, and there's a, a live demo of the Exodus version out there. But yeah, it was just, you know, and, but, okay. you know, Kirk had written the riff and everything and yeah, said, yeah, hey, yeah. I have this part from this old Exodus song that might work for this song. And, you mm-hmm. know, here it is all these years later, this iconic live moment of every Metallica yeah. show. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of Exodus DNA in there. It's but crazy. It's, how it's that cool. Happens. Also, like how 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 that's all like connected. Like even even with the Mustaine riffs and everything, how like it's such such like it. These bands are like so unfathomably unfathomably big, but they all like stem from the same fifty persons. Like like yeah uh, yeah. Yeah, which, which is crazy to think. Like, yeah, it's like a uh, you know a, tr- a tree with all these different branches, and mm-hmm. yeah, when you see the different overlaps, and you know Zetro from Exodus was originally the singer for Legacy, which was originally Testament, and you know just like the way that yeah, all these yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all these people have come in and out of each other's bands, or someone like Dave Lombardo or Gene Hoagland, when you look at their discographies, and it's like you know they've <laughs> they've yeah, been in like yeah, yeah. so many meaningful bands. Mm-hmm. It's like you're just one guy. How did you pull that off? I feel like that's a lot more common these days too. That you're able to be known for more than just one band. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's been your experience as well. How did that happen, sort of, with your career, where you've you've been able to have these overlapping, simultaneous um, projects here and there? Yeah, I, 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 it's it. I, I guess like one major factor to that is that that what I do is like a lot smaller scale like um not like there aren't like hundreds of people depending on me like like so right. so I, I i it's not that like there's has to be like a head field protecting uh, that i don't start start another band or something yeah so so i guess there there in, in my case it, it has like been it i just just out of one thing like limiting myself to one thing yeah f- feels a bit limitative like like i i've i've had the always felt like kind of the urge to 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 explore other things like like the i am in raw which is is my main band mm-hmm. is a band that's i we we try to experiment with some stuff but in essence we want to like we want to be, make sure that we um, protect a little bit what what we do. Uh, we, we kind of feel like like to to people who follow us, we don't want to let them down. All of a sudden, making an album that has like no or little resemblance to to what we've done before, and and I think what we do under under the name Amen Ra will will always more or less be a, like along that line. But then if we do feel the need to experiment with other stuff, we just start, start another band, start another project. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the, yeah, some of the other things that I've done has, have been like for that reason, uh, for instance. You know, I, I think of Europe in general and particularly your part of Europe as, as having a very rich, thriving sort of heavy metal culture, but with Belgium in particular, 
you know, and I'm not just saying this because you're on, but if I'm thinking of like Belgian metal bands, I think of Oathbreaker and and now Ammon Ra. Yeah. You know, it's like there's not, uh, it's not like there are all these Belgian metal bands that we think about as you know, flag yeah, bearers. Yeah, yeah. Does that ever feel like a almost like a weird responsibility? You know, being sort of like the most prominent for a whole genre. <laughs> I, I've never like, like maybe I'll get nervous now because I've, I've never really, really like considered that even. So, so I don't, I don't feel it as, as a, like a responsibility. Um, and I'm, I'm even kind of surprised like, yeah, that, that, that I, to me, it's, 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 it's kind of still feels surprising so, sometimes that, that people, from across the globe, like know us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I try to take, yeah, I guess like a, an innocent take on it and, and, and not, not see it. Like I have to defend my country's honor metal <laughs> <laughs> or something. No, no. Apologies if you're, uh, if you're talked to death about this topic, but I would love to, to dig into the, uh, the whole fire, fire ritual aspect to the band um yeah, yeah, yeah. you know because obviously we have a lot in common in terms of records that we've loved and scenes and phases we've been through and something that also fascinates me and i actually do a sister podcast about this is the intersection of the spiritual and life's big questions uh specifically how it relates to art and even more specifically music um so i love to have these conversations with you know whether it's Nurgle from Behemoth or it's uh, Ryan Clark from Demon Hunter, you know, all across the spectrum of belief and the way that uh, a certain sort of magic, I guess, uh, literal or, mm-hmm. or figurative plays into this. So yeah, if you could tell me a bit about um, the role uh, of these fire rituals in particular and just sort of the esoteric side of, of Amon Ra. Fascinated uh, by that. Well, as, as Amon Ra, we, we kind of... Um want to want to bring something more to people than than like just be just like a cool music or or, or a cool metal band um we yeah i i i'm i have to warn you like <laughs> that i'm i'm not usually the guy who explains <laughs> the, these things <laughs> no problem <laughs> but i'll but i'll do my best um but but yeah we we like we really try to kind of tap into something like a, a bit more primal mm-hmm. and 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 I, a lot of fa- fans like I or, or, or I people who, who, who attend our concerts um, come up to us and and like t- tell us that they they experience it as, as a bit of a ritual like a bit of a cathartic experience. And we like for the fire rituals, um, or or at least for one of them, we had like a chance uh, to to work with um, with an artist who uh, who specializes in in bringing modern like in modernizing rituals because I, uh, for for people like today like because mm-hmm. a, a lot in society. Um, in our modern Western society, at least there, there isn't really, there aren't really many rituals anymore. Um, and, and she, she is someone who like sometimes on a very 
like personal basis um, develops rituals for people like to deal to deal with certain things hmm. and in 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 like in in one of our fire rituals that we did this was um um I'm, I'm trying yeah just looking for like the right words in english um, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um the, 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 it was like um let, let me let me just think for one second um uh, yeah okay, okay. It, it was a ritual for um for the unacknowledged loss of um the city of ghent like we did we did it in the flemish city ghent and and like people can can mourn for for a number of reasons that might seem like trivial to to other people like a, a friendship that's not there anymore like your 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 dog dying like it doesn't always have to be like literally a relative dying or something but a, a, a lot of there can be like a lot of reasons for grief and it could and, even be like a period of your life that, that you're mourning exactly yeah yeah, like saying well, exactly saying goodbye to a period of your life or or whatever. And um, what what we did there was um, in in an arts center uh, I called Voruit. Um, we we put up a, a wooden piece, a wooden piece of art, and people had like a couple of weeks to to go there, um, write down whatever they were mourning for, and put that in the in the artwork. Mm. Um, and then at and we, we like we performed at um, a public park, uh, and it was also for free. So it was like very accessible to anyone who who, who felt they wanted to be there. Um, and at at that uh, like at that concert, we burned the we burned the art piece, like to to symbolically let go of the of the grief that people uh, had. That's really so, cool, really cool. But it's it's if someone who who actually is capable of explaining it explains it, it's a lot cooler still. Like I, I kind of feel sorry <laughs> no. that you're stuck with me now. But but um... no, I think I think you're doing great. And I and I know yeah. from you know reading interviews and things with the band that mm -hmm. you know uh, Matthew is sort of taking on the role of more of the the esoteric side in terms of like the tones and the atmospheric yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. even in from a musical perspective and. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. my favorite subgenre of, of metal as an adult is doom. Okay, and, yeah. you know, that was my first big uh, pull into the band was the kind of post doom side. And, yeah. and then, yeah. And then it was just so interesting for me to start reading about you guys and you in particular and going like, Oh, he lives into another, he loves Metallica. <laughs> it's yeah, the cure. Yeah. Like this is, this is my band, you know? So well, I think, I think we, we, as I understand it, we kind of, Come from a similar background in a way that that most of us in Amara also, I uh, directly stem from like the hardcore scene uh, and stuff like that. So so yeah, I guess we had kind of a similar trajectory, which yeah. probably makes it easier to understand each other. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. So when you when you put on your guitar and you're warming up uh, for you know practice or a show or or in the studio, if Metallica riffs are going to come out of your hands. What are the most common ones that you might catch yourself just playing out of habit or, you know, getting your fingers? Um, I, I, I guess like one, one that very quickly comes up would be, would be Master of Puppets. Like, uh, yeah, that's like such a, 
iconic riff um, that yeah, I find myself just just kind of doing it. And what I also like, like fate, the, some lead parts from Fade to Black is also something I guess I guess were that those were like some of the first like lead parts that I I, I kind of learned to play. And mm-hmm. that always uh, like have always stuck with me. Like I, I I really have to. So so much of my guitar playing has been shaped by Metallica. Like I, like it's 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 to my own like discredit that I have to admit here that I've kind of evolved so little from <laughs> like from that point on. Like I've I've learned these things, and those really have been like the the basis for for what i have have been doing yeah for 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 my whole musical career now uh, um yeah of, of course like i've 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 had since like like other other influences and and learned some more stuff but like really the the brunt of the thing is is just yeah playing these these metallica riffs and also like like i guess yeah, that 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 kind of I I would never dare to like compare my picking hand to James Hetfield's picking hand, but whatever like quality I do have in it, I I credit it to to Metallica and I thank them for it. I have to say that comes up on the podcast a lot. The right hand of Hetfield. I, I've even talked to an artist friend of mine. He's he's actually the tattooer who tattooed Riff Life on Hetfield's knuckles. Okay. And uh, I'm, I'm planning on having him on the podcast, but we've been talking for a long time about him making a shirt for the podcast that's called where the shirt's called the right hand of Hetfield because it, it comes up you know, so often in conversations with guitar players. And it's interesting when Gary Holt was on, he talked about how the way he holds a pick is the way that Kirk showed him to Kirk Hammett actually taught Gary Holt his first like power chords and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, again, getting back to that idea of the DNA. And I, I bet Metallica would say that they're still very much, you know, based in what they learned from Diamond Head and Black Sabbath and Motorhead yeah. and all of their influences, you know? So I, I don't think there's any shame in that, you know? It, it, those yeah. those moments are so instructive uh, to who we are and who we become. I mean, Quentin Tarantino is making some of the greatest films in history and they're all inspired by... <laughs> movies he saw in like the 70s you know (laughs) absolutely it's interesting you said those first five metallica records are also important that when someone asks you to make a list of five records i mean not only could you have really picked any of the those first five you could have even just made your list of five those five metallica records (laughs) (laughs) probably Uh, it it, i know it, it for a lot of fans it changes i know it changes for me from year to year i tend to actually have ride the lightning at the top if you had to rank those first five records with and again acknowledging that it changes all the time yeah 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 um let me let me think about that yeah i'll take your time yeah, so i i would definitely put ride the lightning at the top and then go for 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 master of puppets yeah same here um that's this is difficult. I, I guess I would would put an like and justice for all third then, kill them all and and the black album. That's that's uh, yeah. That's pretty similar to me. And it's always for me. It's always it's always ride and puppets, 
at the top and sometimes mm-hmm. switching places with each other, but usually ride. And then, yeah, those next three, they jump around. And then there's also the difference between like best and favorites, because I think you could make an argument that the Black Album is the best, even if it's not your favorite. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely, yeah. Like also like Kill Them All is like, it's more primitive, but it's also, it has such a, yeah, it's it's so important as well. And it's so good in its a more, more simpleness. Mm-hmm. yeah it's it's this is difficult to rank like it's not yeah. the exact science definitely yeah musically lyrically uh production wise kill them all is and it's also the punkest thing that yeah, they made yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah, and, and yeah i i've i've said this before too but like if if they had split up after kill them all that would still be this important strange mm-hmm. cool record yeah, 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 you know yeah, yeah. absolutely so as far as the later stuff, obviously, you know, you get busy and you're playing in your own bands and you're discovering more and more music. Uh, so I know a lot of folks don't, a lot of it is generational, right? In terms of like how long you you pay attention mm-hmm. or kind of dipping in and out. Uh, I am always on the podcast telling people who skipped the 90s to listen to The Outlaw Torn and Bleeding Me because those are like two... Yeah, top 10 yeah. metallica songs for me where do you where do you I kind of stand on the like, later stuff i was still um i i was into load and reload like really i i i didn't like it as much anymore as um what came before but i i i really liked i still really liked it like for me it was still better than 90% of, of, of other music uh, at, at that point. Like, like I, I really follow, like followed that. I bore with them. Uh, um, I, I'm, I think like even, even St. Anger, I, um, I really, like, I really convinced myself for a while that like, I couldn't, like, it was also like just not being able to process what I, what I heard. I think like, like, it cannot. I, I, there was this. It can't be bad because it's Metallica in, in my mind. Like um, for a long time, and I guess then then some kind of monster, kind of like put put Saint Anger into perspective. Then for me, and that I have to admit that that things kind of extinguished for me from from there on. Like I've I've heard. Uh, what, what I, the things that they've done since then I've heard in like in touring vans like from from other people playing it uh, to me and yeah I, I like I I somehow like I find merit in in Lulu like because I I, I think that it's like okay they they like as an experiment it has it has like creative value I think. But yeah, like yeah, those those last few albums cannot really. Maybe I, I maybe I haven't like given them even enough of a chance or something. But they they, from what I've heard in those vents, like um, they haven't gripped me or anything. I have to admit. Have you had an opportunity over the years to see the band live? I like I I I have been like. Um, thinking about that and the last time i've seen them live was 2012 and i hadn't like really been into them for a couple of years at that point and 
they really like they blew me away so hard at that that, that was like a, a show called Werchter Boutique um, and I, it was the the tour where they played the the black album and, mm. and yeah and oh my god it was so so good like I really after that that concert I I was like playing all my Metallica albums again <laughs> like uh, like I I, uh, I I have to give them that like oh my god they they uh, blew everything away uh, at that at that show and I I'm kind of like I I had a friend who was working for Kveller Talk uh, on mm. their, like when they were on the Worldwired tour in, yep. in 2017. I've had a couple of those and, guys on. Yeah, and he he offered me um, to come to a show in, in Belgium that, that, that they played with Metallica. And it was like right, like the day after our our album presentation, like a, a huge show that we had done with Amin Ra. And um it was like a two-day thing, like on the, on, on the day that that the, the Metallica show was, we there were like, were like some side projects of, of Amen Ra members um, still playing. Um, and yeah, I kind of felt like obligated to <laughs> to go see that. So I skipped Metallica and I, I, I do, do regret it now. Like I, I, it's, it's like a bit of a gnawing feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I should have taken the, ch- taken the opportunity, I think. Uh, do you, was 2012 the first time you saw them? Or had you seen uh, them the before? The first time I saw them was um, in 96. Oh, wow, cool. Um, I, I guess that would have been the tour they did for Load. Um, yeah. Like my, I, I remember my my older brother and sister seeing them in 93. And, and I, it was like, for me, I, I, I felt special just having... A brother and sister who had seen them like that that was how how much of a fan i was but i was like still too too I, my parents wouldn't let me go to that but but yeah they bought me like a um a bootleg poster on the parking lot and, and i had <laughs> nice. that up in my room for years and, and yeah then like when 96 came and i got the chance to see them that was like yeah a huge a huge deal although i have to say that that um this venue I saw them in kind of it was like a huge event hall uh, somewhere in, in in Flanders and and it, it, it sound wise it it was it was really bad but like once again my like my mind <laughs> I, I knew the songs enough to, to like fill in the blanks or, or or look through the like the bad bad sound and make it like a huge experience for me uh, like an, another time that i saw them was was um at at 2003 uh, at rock rock Werther, um where i i played like with um an, a band i was in at the time and and they, they were on the same festival and that was like yeah uh, even though i i i like i was uh, an adult by then it was like still kind of like hard to believe that that i was like on playing a same festival as metallica was like i couldn't really process it, and and I, I had like the this Kirk Hammett signature guitar at that point, so um, I I had him autograph it like in in the backstage, and that was yeah. I I be- like thinking of that now. I barely even remember that moment because it was like I was so starstruck just uh, to be there with him. Uh, like I I remember that I I actually. 
I wanted him to like scratch his autograph in it with with like with a screwdriver. But he, <laughs> he didn't he didn't want to damage my guitar. He was like the most gentle, nicest guy ever. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, that's so cool. No, no man, this guitar is sweet. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Did you have an opportunity to meet any of the other guys, or or was it just Kurt? Um, no, it was just like I, I kind of ambushed, like I, I stood there <laughs> waiting with my guitar for, for a whole while, I think, and, and ambushed Kirk. And, and I don't think I even like, I don't think I even caught a glimpse of anyone else uh, in that backstage area. Maybe, yeah, maybe like, yeah, maybe James and, and Lars arrived later or something or. I don't yeah, know. that's so cool, man. And it's always cool. Yeah. The impact that they have had on so many other bands, you know, because you think about most bands, if they're at a festival, you know, there's not a lot of fans milling around in the backstage area. But mm. if you're Metallica, everyone's yeah, a fan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can totally see how how they could get like a a bit tired of that, even probably. But yeah, yeah, as you say. So some year I was over in the UK for download, and was in the artist area. And Metallica was playing that year and Hetfield was in catering, just like, you know, hanging out with a couple of people and just, mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, having the same meal that all the other band guys are having. Yeah. And uh, somebody came over to him and asked him to autograph like this huge part of the inside of one of his forearms because he said he, uh, he was going to go get it tattooed. Okay. Yeah. And I remember hearing Hetfield as he's signing it going, are you, are you sure about this man? Like this is some pretty, <laughs> this is some pretty prime real estate. You sure you want to like put this here on your arm? And yeah. It reminds me of what you were saying about the guitar and the screwdriver. Yeah, it's yeah. like, they're, they're conscientious. They're, you know, they're uh, not just like, yeah, okay, but they're like, oh, are you sure though? Well, dude, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. As soon as I saw, you know, your list of five important albums, I was like, oh man, I got to talk to this guy. So <laughs> no, thank you. I, I, it was like, I have to say I, I didn't know about the podcasts, but then I I checked it out and I I feel like it's it yeah feel feel first of all flattered to be among the list uh, of guests you have and 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 secondly it it I have to admit that it like just thinking about Metallica in the last couple of of, of days has kind of like resparked my my interest again to to like actively listen to some stuff and and yeah. Cool. And, and it's a great time with the black album since this is the 30th anniversary this year and they're doing all that you know the box set and the blacklist yeah, project yeah, yeah, yeah. curious yeah curious about about yeah about hearing all those i, I checked the off uh video yeah that was cool and out. yeah absolutely and i'm yeah curious excited to see what what the other artists will do with that just got my tickets a couple of days ago for the 40th anniversary shows which okay. thinking about that is insane because it's like <laughs> it seemed like the 30th anniversary just happened <laughs> Well, thanks so much. Have a good rest of your evening over there. And um, yeah, I, I hope we get to speak again sometime soon. Okay, thank you.